0: Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you, you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. You'll notice Paul's expression there in verse 15. He's speaks of how he came to the position he was in, called me by his grace. Called me by his grace. Though Paul's conversion and his experience of grace, it seems extraordinary, Uh, it tells us of the method of God's grace. It tells us that God reveals to us in his word a pattern of the method in which he uses to call all of his elect unto himself. Albeit, this is an amazing portion of Scripture. It's an amazing thought when Paul gives us a little bit of his background about being his conversation was in the Jews' religion. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. And notice he said that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation. Paul gives us a bit of a background as to what he once was before (laughs) God's grace came upon him. And it would be easy for us to look and say, well, that certainly is an extraordinary act of grace, that God would save somebody as wicked as Paul. But I would caution us to think that in the eyes of God, we're all wicked, we're all undone, we're all unjust, and his calling by grace is no more extraordinary than ours. The Apostle Paul was, of course, involved in what we would say, wicked outward things, and his heart, of course, was far from God but we need to keep in mind that apart from god calling us by his grace our hearts would have remained very far from god and so every act every experience of god's extraordinary grace towards his elect we ought to praise god for it uh, paul writing to timothy in first timothy 1 16, again giving a bit of his testimony of being called by grace he says how be it for this cause i obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul told Timothy there's a pattern to this. There is a pattern to this experience of God's extraordinary call of grace. He calls all of his elect by this mean, by these means. It is this revelation of who he is What Paul shows us not only in Timothy, but shows us here in this first part of Galatians, he shows us plainly the order and the method of God's grace. You'll notice in verses 15 and 16, he gives us really the clues and the insight here. He says, When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood." This is the way God saves sinners. Uh, the order of grace never changes, and the method of grace doesn't vary. God's grace is God's grace. Now, people are different, no doubt. All of us were not involved in the same thing that the Apostle Paul was involved in. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm fairly certain I can say this with confidence today that you were probably, before your salvation, not guilty of persecuting the church of God. It's possible but most likely you weren't. You were not guilty of that. Uh, You were not guilty of profiting in the Jews' religion. You were not called the Pharisee of the Pharisees, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, whatever way you want to put it, Uh, you were a sinner. So we do see though that Paul indicates the order of this. You can see in verse 15, he clearly says, when it pleased God. So we can say that salvation begins and ends in the will and pleasure of God. Salvation begins and ends in the will and pleasure of God. The source of all saving grace is the will of God. Again, these are great truths that nobody here today for the most part. It's not the first time you've heard this. But yet, isn't it a glorious reminder that God's method of grace, God's pattern that he's given to us, is not according to the will of man, but according to the will of God. Imagine being saved by the will of God, not by the will of man, but by God's will. Paul, as he wrote to the church of Rome in chapter nine, that uh, glorious chapter, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. It pleased God to have mercy on you. It pleased God to have mercy on you. Again, if you think about your own life and your own your own conduct, you're almost left speechless. How could it have pleased God to show mercy to me when I have no reason for him to show mercy? So it begins with it pleased God. We'll see secondly, it says, who separated me from my mother's womb. Having willed to save some of Adam's fallen race, God separated his own elect by this extraordinary act of grace. He separated them from the rest of mankind, not that we might become prideful or arrogant, but that we might return praise. When did this salvation begin? According to the pleasure of God, separated from my mother's womb. This act of separation is God's election of his people before the foundation of the world. Now make no mistake about it, that as we grow and we continue, uh, we are to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, but it is separation from my mother's womb. It is pleasing to God. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Uh, The the phrase from my mother's womb uh, teaches us and shows us that this election, this sovereign election of God took place before we had done anything good or bad, so to speak. We couldn't do anything good. We couldn't do anything bad. So it teaches us clearly that God's sovereignty and election is certainly in the foremost spot. So we see Paul very, very clearly saying that salvation begins and ends in the will and pleasure of God. So it's at the, at the time appointed. Notice Paul now, he says, not only was this, uh, this uh, pleased God who separated my mother's womb and called me by his grace. This is the time appointed. At the, at the appointed time, God calls all of his elect by what we refer to as effectual and irresistible grace. Those sometimes sound negative, but those are positive, encouraging truths about our salvation. Irresistible grace. God called me by his grace. Now, depending on the translation, I think most translations do this, but the word me is italicized and it's italicized there it's put there by the translators just to create a stronger sense of emphasis and i'm thinking and looking at that and thinking called me by his grace me in italics called by his grace, is a wonderful truth. And Paul, speaking about himself, called by his grace. But the the translators put that little word, me, in there. And what what a sense it gives to us that not only was Paul called by this grace, but we also, as his elect, are called by this grace. Those who are called are sanctified, and ultimately they will be glorified. The call of the Spirit and the call of grace is always effectual. The call to God's grace is always effectual. This is not him throwing out a lifeline and seeing if you will take it. This is God's saving grace. It's the way he calls his elect to life and faith. So finally, and secondly, salvation comes when Christ is revealed. So it begins and ends with God, no question, but it comes when Christ is revealed. And notice Paul gives indication of that. To reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. God, through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is God, graciously reveals his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to his elect. When you, we use terms like, here's the day I came to know Christ, That's the day that God revealed the Son, Jesus Christ, to you. You came to know Christ because God made himself known to you. And you notice the change that as soon as Christ was revealed to Paul, as soon as he saw it, he immediately began to preach him or preach Christ among the heathen. Immediately, he says, I conferred not with blood. In other words, I didn't consult with men. I didn't consult with what their will was, but rather he sought further instructions from God himself. What an amazing truth it is here that all that have been savingly converted are called by the grace of God. Their conversion is the very effect of God's good pleasure in them. But you do see in Paul, there was this suddenness. There was this marked change in him. It affected everything about him. Now, again, sometimes we struggle in this area thinking, is my conversion, it uh, was my conversion sudden enough? Was it, is it peculiar enough? Uh, if you could really look into what sin was actually doing to us, every act of conversion is sudden, peculiar, extraordinary, and amazing. Because we're called by his grace, not by anything that we have done. As a result of Christ being revealed to Paul, you see Paul becomes a willing servant. He becomes obedient. It's interesting to me that you don't see Paul having to be reminded to obey God throughout his ministry. You don't see God having to come to Paul and say, Paul, you're you're slacking off in your obedience to me. Now, Paul was not a perfect man, Paul would say, I continue to do the things I shouldn't do, and I don't do the things I should. But you don't see Paul failing to obey in a very obvious sense. doesn't mean perfection, but it does show us that his life had changed. What did he no longer do? Well, he no longer tried to persecute the church of God. And again, it's not perfect. There, of course, Paul was a sinner saved by grace. Paul had lapses of faith. Paul had times when he did not always do what he should. But notice there was a change in him. Uh, Good works are the result of saving faith. God's grace causes his people to walk in obedience. Is it sinless? No, because we're still in these bodies, but yet we do see this change. So to bring this to a a close, Paul was brought to the knowledge and faith of Christ. All called by grace, their conversion, our conversion, your conversion, was wrought by his power and by his grace. It's God's power, God's grace working in us. Paul, ready to obey. Paul, without hesitation, says, I'm going to no longer live as I once lived. It became his satisfaction, it became his joy. What joy comes to the churches when they hear of people who are saved and called by this grace? right? That's why we rejoice when someone's family or someone's family member says they have come to saving faith. They've come to know Christ. They've repented of their sins. And we don't boast in who the speaker was. We don't boast in who the person talking to them was. We boast in Jesus Christ. We boast in the saving mercy of God. We glorify God for the power that he's done in their life. And again, the fact that he showed mercy to anyone, is truly an amazing truth. And yet, let it be said of us that have been saved and called called and saved by this grace to examine ourselves in the area of obedience. You know, today we're going to, during our gospel service at the end, we'll observe the supper today. We'll observe the Lord's supper. We'll remember what he's done for us. And I think one of the challenges always is, is just to continually not only examine ourselves for for salvation, of course, and whether we be in the faith, but... Also examine ourselves in our obedience. Are we obeying God? Are we obeying him the way that we should? And prayerfully, um, that's the conclusion that we will come to. So prayerfully, this encourages our souls this morning, gives us us some food for our services today, and just reminds us as we've come uh, to worship this morning. So let's conclude our time in prayer.